Good morning. The roses on the altar are for Harold and Barbara Lunsford, who will celebrate 61 years on June 5th, and also Jay and Kathleen Elsoff, who will celebrate 54 years on June 8th. Let's give them a round of applause. Today it's a pleasure to have Pastor Kim Catahenry and his wife Sharon to join us and give the message today. So welcome back to First Church. Pastor Joel and his family are enjoying some vacation time today. Today is the last day is the last day of Sunday school for the year. There will be several family fun days in July and August following church that will involve games and things for the whole family to do together. There is a Young Life Camp meeting today for students and parents following church in the ministry center. Tori will hand out packing lists and other important information. And as we all know, this coming week is very busy. It starts Vacation Bible School, starts Monday. So setup begins today at 2.30. And thank you to all of you who bake cookies. You can drop them off throughout the week in the church kitchen. Please stand and join me in the call of worship. God will pour out the Spirit on all flesh, and our daughters and sons shall prophesy. Our old ones shall dream dreams, and our young ones shall see visions, and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Now let's sing hymn number 259, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Please take time to greet your neighbor. Thank you. 
Good morning. Now, I know you're a mighty small group of only five, and it is 9.07 in the morning, but can we try this again? Good morning. Oh, that's maybe a smidgen better. Well, we got to wake up. This is an important week. What happens this week? Bible school. That's right. Guess where we're going in Bible school this year? We are. We're going to space this year. It is going to be so much fun. I am super excited. The crafts are going to be awesome. And I get to switch and go from crafts to teaching four-year-olds, which is going to be super awesome. I am so looking forward to it. We are going to start out by talking about the sky on the first day. Because who created it? God did. That's right. God created it. So we have all kinds of things to learn this week, all kinds of activities to do. What's your favorite thing to do at Vacation Bible School? You don't have a favorite thing? You love it all? Snacks? Snacks? (laughs) Pastor Kim is coming just for the cookies. Just for the cookies. Excellent. We have some pretty good cookie bakers here. So there'll be some good snacks. What about, uh, what about recreation time? Playing games? Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay? And we talked about crafts and the fun things we're going to make down there. Music. Music is always lots of fun. We're going to have some cool songs. Tori was practicing yesterday for the moves because she'll be back up front with her three counterparts up here helping you guys learn the motions. And so it is going to be lots of fun. So you need to make sure you get to bed early tonight so that we can have lots and lots of fun this week at Bible school. Make sure that all your friends and cousins are coming. Okay, because even if even if they don't have their paperwork signed up, as long as they come tomorrow morning, they can get online and print out the registration form. We have plenty of things for everybody to do. So if you've got a neighbor that wants to come, make sure they get to come. Okay, so let's pray for a safe, fun week at Bible school. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this coming week. Thank you for the opportunity for the community and the two churches to come together and teach our children about God and show them the love that God has for each one of us. Be with us as we do our crafts and sing our songs and play our games and learn about you to know that without you, none of these things would be possible. Keep us safe. Keep the weather awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Of the 900 troops that we have in Syria, this week we lost specialist Etienne J. Murphy, 22, killed near Al-Hazaka, Syria, or I should say died. He was killed or died in an accident from Loganville, Georgia, so keep him in your prayers. Also, as a point of personal privilege, I want to thank you for your support and prayers for Kathleen and myself. Uh, She's in rehab at uh, Upper Valley uh, Medical Center just south of Piqua, and uh, we're gaining every day. 
and we want to thank you all especially for your support. Thanks. We're going to go together in prayer in just a moment, uh, and you can see the uh, concerns that are listed there. Um, Let me tell you, um, as we were driving up today, I got one of those blings on your phone, you know, and I learned a long time ago because the passenger who rides beside of me says, don't do that, don't do that. You don't pick up the phone and start trying to fool with it when you're driving. So we got here, and I looked at it, and it was a, a voice message, and it was Wayne Kettler. And Wayne said that he was on the way to Coldwater Hospital with Karen. She was having chest pains. Um, I wanted to share that with you, and then later I got a text just before the service started, and he said the EKGs are all normal. They're all reading normal, so there's not a problem there. And they're trying to figure out now why why Karen was why Karen was having some issues. So you can keep uh, you can keep them in your prayers as um, as well. Let's go to prayer. Loving and gracious God, we gather together in your name this morning to sing your praise, to bring to you our prayers and petitions, and to hear and study your word. Thank you, Father, for this Lord's Day and for giving us this foretaste of glory divine. On Pentecost Sunday, deliver us from the mistaken idea that we muster up faith on our own, that we simply draw upon our own resources in order to be faithful to you. We know that you've sent us a helper, an advocate, a teacher. You've sent us one who sustains us with life at every moment, and equips us to accomplish the good work that you call us to do. You sent us your Holy Spirit. In all honesty, Lord, we need more of your Spirit. We confess that it's our own fault for being so needy. When you made us your beloved children by grace through faith, you also gave us your Spirit to live within us, and we seemingly do all that we can to quench the Spirit's power. Forgive us. Enable us to repent. Let everything we do this morning and indeed in our lives outside of the church declare your glory and give witness to your amazing grace. Give us patience, O God, to wait for you to light the fire. We will wait for you, and we will expect you to do that by your grace. Set us on fire for you. Let our lives give light to a world of darkness. On the basis of your grace, Lord, we bring those to you who are sick, troubled, grieving, those in distress. And all of us here have burdens that we carry, spiritual battles that we fight. Grant us all what we need to overcome and to stand in the victory that we have in Christ. Now we ask, O God, that you would change us, make us new, and be praised through our lives. To the glory of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All this we ask and pray in Jesus' name, praying together the prayer he taught. Our Father. 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We'll receive the morning offering.
Good morning. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not to, it is not for you to know the type, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them.
Thank you. Sit down. You know, I, I got to take this coat off. You don't care, do you? The air conditioning is not working this morning. And there's a couple comments I, w- I want to make before we start. I don't know if anybody, any of you noticed, Holy, Holy, Holy is one of the hymns that when I was in confirmation, we had to commit to memory. We had to know it. We had to be able to sing it without. You know the difference between this hymnal and the hymnal I learned it out of? The hymnal I learned it out of it? What was the first hymn in the book? Holy, Holy, Holy was the first hymn. Holy, Holy, Holy was hymn number one. I um, <laughs> I have been wrestling with myself <laughs> about whether I want to tell you this story or not. Before I start, and I, I said something to Sharon, and she wasn't much help. She kind of, <laughs> you know, when you're up there, you're on your own, and you do you do whatever you. I have I have been having a number of conversations with the Presbyterian pastor in Hamilton, and I told him I was coming here on uh, Pentecost to preach, and he said, "Oh, he said I got a great Pentecost story for you that you need to tell." And he told me the story, and I'm thinking, can I tell that at First Church, or can't I tell that at First Church? Am I going to get in trouble if I tell this at First Church, or not? Um, here's the story. <laughs> and, and after I tell the story, you know, if you want to take a vote, we'll just quit, and I'll go home now. There was a pastor who wanted to have a, a, an amazing Pentecost service. And, and he wanted to make sure that people would not forget the service. And so this was going to be a, a fabulous kind of thing. And, and he got this brilliant idea. And he said to his custodian, he said, um, I want you to take a dove. He gave him a dove. And he said, I want you to, and I, and, I, and I look at the church here, and I think, yeah, this would work perfectly here. He said, I want you to take a dove, and I want you to go way back up in the upper regions of the church with that dove. And he said, before the service starts, and he said, and you wait up there, and when I get into the message, at one point I'm going to say, and the Holy Spirit descended, and when I say that, you re- you know this already, don't you? You know this story? And when I say, and the Holy Spirit descended, you release that dove so that it comes flying down through the sanctuary. And he said, this will make a monster impression on the whole congregation. So the custodian takes the dove and he goes clear up in the back and he's way up in the back of the church. And the preacher gets to preaching and he gets to that point and he says, and the Holy Spirit descended nothing. And so he says, and the Holy Spirit descended nothing. So he decides a little license. And the Holy Spirit descended. And from up in the back you hear, And the cat ate the dove. Should I throw down the cat? <laughs> you, ready to throw, you ready to throw me out now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how many of you remember when this day was called Wit Sunday? Any remember that? 
I remember that title. You don't remember that title? W-H-I-T. Whit Sunday. It's got, it's got a kind of an Anglican background to it. But they used to call this years ago, they used to call it Whit Sunday. You guys are all, you guys are all safe then because it's an old term. And I figured if you remembered it, you would have to be. And so anyway, you must all, you must all be okay. But it, it's believed that the name comes from Pentecost being a day for baptisms while participants would dress in white. And they kind of got this wit, wit Sunday kind of thing where they'd all come in the robes. It, it's also thought that wit Sunday uh, derived from the Anglo-Saxon word wit, meaning understanding. And it was a day celebrating the disciples being filled with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, for as long as we can all remember, we've had in the church, we've referred to this day exclusively as Pentecost. You know that Pentecost in the life of the church is just as important as Christmas, but maybe even a little more so. And on Christmas, we celebrate the birth of the Savior. On Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church. Now, to fully understand the meaning and importance of this day, we need to look at some background. Remember what Jesus said at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew has Jesus saying, remember? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we call that in the church the Great Commission. But it's also in the form of a command. Jesus is making a command there. He's instructing us to go and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be about as the church, making disciples. But that wasn't the end of his instructions to the disciples and to those who would follow after him. So we have in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He said, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, put put those three things together. Jesus said, make disciples, but wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to get power. You're going to get power to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. So now we go to Acts chapter 2 and we have this account of the Holy Spirit descending on those who were gathered together in the upper room. They were there waiting in the upper room. It was on the day of Pentecost, and Pentecost was a Jewish holiday, a Jewish day of celebration, 50 days after the resurrection, and it was 10 days after Jesus had ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Jesus' followers who were gathered together in Jerusalem. Now, the first thing we, we really ought to note about this, and I don't know whether you've heard this talked about very much, I remember I didn't, but we ought to note that something has always baffled historians about this. Baffled them both within and outside the church. 
Consider this question. How did the gospel message spread with such uncanny, amazing speed? Think about it. Jesus died around 30 A.D. You know, we say he was 33 years old when he was crucified. That would be 33 A.D., but uh, some of the historians who have gone back and said, no, actually he was born 3 B.C. I don't know how you can be born before, but he was born 3 B.C. So somewhere around 30 A.D. in that general area, um, Jesus died. Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, the first one, the first thing Paul wrote was in the early 50s. And Paul's correspondence ended with his death around 62. That's how many years? 30 to 62? It's 32 years, right? Each of the letters that Paul wrote was written to a congregation that was really pretty well established and had had a developing history. All of that happened within 20 to 30 years. Now remember, there were no airplanes, there were no cars, there were no trains to carry the people sharing the gospel and starting churches. That's amazing. How did that all happen in 30 years? The story about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and how faith in him changed one's life, that story was told from person to person in letters carried by hand so eagerly that believers and congregations were in Europe, Africa, Asia Minor in a matter of years. How is that possible? See, the Pentecost story is about a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it certainly gains credibility when we think about how far the gospel message spread in such a short time. Another way to say it is, <laughs> must have taken a miracle to get the word out that far, that fast. Now here's another thing to notice about Pentecost. The universal message of Jesus and God's love is also highly personal. Each person there in the upper room heard the preaching in their own language. The message about God's love and acceptance always reaches for those places in us where we need it the most. Now, that message is sometimes met with obstacles, either those we create or those that life has forced on us. But God's loving efforts are relentless. God doesn't bowl us over, but God does persist. Now, here may be the most important observation about this whole Pentecost story. The folks who heard the preaching on Pentecost didn't just say thank you very much and then keep it to themselves. They were so transformed by their experience that they wanted to share that experience with others, people in their homes, people in their hometowns, people on the road as they traveled home. So when was the last time you got a really great deal on something? When was the last time you got an amazing 
deal on something. Maybe you bought a car at an unbelievable price. Or you saw a movie or a TV show that took your breath away. Or you, heard, or you had dinner at the best restaurant that you've ever had. What do you do about that? You tell your friends, don't you? Wow, that Reuben sandwich that they've got at the local restaurant, that's the best I've ever tasted. You ought to try that, you know. Or how about, you know, the car dealership here in this town gave me a great deal on a car that I'm driving. I got an amazing deal. And if nobody in particular listens to us, then what do we do? We put it on Facebook or we tweet about it so that the whole world can read about it. Now here's an interesting part. Somehow sharing our faith in the same way as we talk about other things seems awkward to us. Why is that? I think folks in the crowd at Jerusalem that day discovered that sharing their faith with others enriched those who heard and those who told. Maybe we ought to give that idea a bit more thought. The heart of the power of Pentecost in Acts is power for ministry. Remember I said earlier, make disciples, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The commission to the followers of Christ 2,000 years ago and to us today is the commission to make disciples for Jesus Christ, but to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a word of caution that we need to hear. Because one of the problems that develops around the Pentecost story is this whole issue of disciples speaking in languages that they didn't know. And we have a tendency to get all tangled up in the issue of tongues. You know, we get our tang tangled. You know, we get all messed up with this issue of tongues. And when we do that, we begin to oppose our own ideas on this issue rather than understanding what it is that the Scripture is saying to us. And that's a shame. It's a shame because what we need to see and act on in this Pentecost story is that the Word of God needs to be shared. Disciples need to be made, and God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that task. You know, don't you, that Pentecost was never intended to be a once-only affair? It was never intended to happen one time, and that was it. The Holy Spirit testifies who we are. We are God's children. We are Spirit-filled people. The Spirit gives us power to live as children of God. Through the Spirit working in us and with us, God is no longer distant and remote. The cross and the resurrection of Christ are more than historical events. Now they are part of our being. The Holy Spirit makes us realize that God is intimately connected to our lives. He's our God. 
And Jesus is our Savior. And the Holy Spirit binds us together in the church. Now, all I have to do is look out, you know. All I have to do is look at all of you. And there is no doubt at all that you're all individuals. None of you are alike. You're not alike. You all have different characteristics. You all look different. Beautiful, of course, but you all look different. You all have unique talents and gifts. You come from different backgrounds. In fact, those backgrounds, you know, in the church can be so different that sometimes it can be hard to agree and get on with the ministry together. Now, I'm sure. I'm sure that here at First Church, there is an exception. Because you've probably never, ever had a disagreement about anything at all in the life of this church. Oops. <laughs> the, problem, the problem is I was raised in this church, and I know differently. Of course we have disagreements. Of course we have differences of opinion in the church. Every church in existence experiences that. Nevertheless, the church of Jesus Christ has survived over so many centuries in spite of the diversity and differences of its members. That's what makes the church so special. The Spirit binds us together in order to care for one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to help one another as we share the good news about Jesus Christ with others. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christian. There would be no church. And the gospel message would be unknown. You know, you can look up stories about Pentecost. You can look up kinds of things about things that happened on Pentecost. And, and I ran across one that was kind of interesting that I want to share with you. It was, it's a story about, on Pentecost Sunday, the children in a primary department of a Sunday school in a church made, made these flames. They were to look like tongues of fire. You know, they, they made them out of, I, I don't know, they made them out of big, big uh, uh, grocery bags, whatever. The big, big flames to look like tongues of fire. And they were, the little kids, they were the, as big as their bodies. And what they were supposed to do is when the offering time came up, the kids in the primary department were supposed to walk around the sanctuary carrying these flames, these tongues of fire on Pentecost. Well, when the big moment finally came through, one fellow forgot his flame. And so now he's racing up and down the aisle just flapping his arms. That's all he's doing. He's flapping his arms. And suddenly he realized what had happened, and he stopped dead in the middle of the church. And a look of horror spread over his face, and he cried out, I've lost my flame. There's a little girl near the back of the sanctuary, and she spotted his distress. And she raced forth, and with the ear-shattering whisper, you know how when you tell kids to whisper, and how they do an ear-shattering whisper? With an ear-shattering whisper, the young, youngster said, No, you haven't. Take this. And she tore off a piece of her own flame, and she gave it to him. 
And the boy laughed, and he resumed his airy flight up and down the aisle. And for a few moments, the girl watched him. And then she puckered up her lips, and acting on some inner inspiration, she started slowly moving down the aisles, tearing off bits of her flame and sharing them with the entire congregation. You get the point? You get the point, don't you? On Pentecost, God's promised Holy Spirit descended on all who were gathered there in Jerusalem. At our baptism, God's Spirit descended on us. Maybe we've become a little nonchalant, a little lackadaisical, a little lukewarm in our sharing responsibilities. The Spirit wants to work in kids, in parents, in elderly people, in everyone. He wants to work in you. He wants to work in all of us to make us into a church that is living, renewed, refreshed, revitalized to do His work, to be the church ready with the gospel, ready to draw all people into the warmth of God's presence. I recently read this thought about Pentecost. There's a character in John Updike's novel, A Month of Sundays, and he's reflecting in this novel on his youthful experience of the church. And he says this, Churches bore or displayed or carried for me the relation to God that billboards did to Coca-Cola. They promoted thirst, but they did nothing to quench it. Churches bore for me the relation to God that billboards did to Coca-Cola. They promoted thirst, but they did nothing to quench it. In the 1980s, I did doctoral work at Fuller Theological Seminary. And I got, I got a doctorate in church growth and spiritual renewal of the church. That was my area of concentration. And since that doctorate, I've been trying to stay current with things that are going on in the area of church growth and why churches are growing and why churches are dying. And there are a lot of churches that are dying, a lot of churches that are dying. I read a statistic not too long ago that said, in the next 20 years, we may lose one or two denominations totally because they are losing people so quickly. But there's this interesting phenomenon going on with a group called Millennials. You know who the Millennials are? Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say Millennials? You know, I'm the first year of the Boomer generation. How many, you know, we've got, we've got builders, we've got Boomers, we've got Gen X, we've got all that. Well, the group called Millennials are the 20 to 30-year-olds. And the 20 to 30-year-olds are bailing out of the church like crazy. They are bailing out like crazy. If you ask them, you know, sometimes, for example, you go into the hospital. It used to be. I don't know. Maybe it isn't anymore because of all the HIPAA stuff. But you go into the hospital and you fill out this form and it'll say, denominational preference, you know, or church preference. The millennials today write none. They write none. They're known as the nuns, N-O-N-E. One of the things that the millennials are crying for desperately is they don't care about your theology. 
They don't care about what church you go to. They don't care about what denominational connections you have. What they want is, I want to know what the truth of the Bible says, and I want to see you living it. If I see you living it, that's what I want to be a part of. I'm not interested in a church that says, oh, isn't it wonderful what we do, and then goes out in the street and chops each other up. They don't want that. I want to know what the Bible says. I want to know the truth of the Word of God, and I want to see you living it. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to be the agent of change in the world, a counter-cultural entity. The task of the church is to breathe in the Spirit and be inspired by the Spirit to act on the behalf of God. But the church so often has been waiting to exhale for far too long. As the Spirit of God flows into us, it also ought to flow out of us in the way we treat each other, in the way we speak to each other, in the way we treat other people in our community, in the way we live out the new life that we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Does that speak to you? Does that speak to you? One more time. Remember, the Great Commission was given to those who follow Christ. That includes us. And the directions were clear. Make disciples, but wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Power to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, not to quench the power of the Spirit. Help us to move in the power of the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses to the very ends of the earth, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others, because there are so many, so many who desperately need to hear that good news. Thank you. Amen. If you stand, we'll sing the closing hymn. Fill me now.
May the Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters when the world was created breathe into you the life that he gives. May the Holy Spirit who set the church on fire on the day of Pentecost bring the world alive with the love of the risen Christ. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.